Don't you know that not listening to the Flick Lab is way uncool? Welcome to the Flick Lab. I'm Kari. He's Henrik. Uh, unfortunately, he's still here. Still here. Still here. Still here. Okay. Um, today we are going to do something different. Completely. This is a movie based on a video game. Based on its cutscenes. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Unleash Shenmue. Welcome to the Flick Lab. This is the Flick Lab. So... Does this movie technically count as Makima? Uh, is this co- completely its own beast, its own genre? Good question. The thing is that this is quite legitimate actual film in the sense that it was shown in selected theaters, according to my sources, in Japan. <laughs> Only in Japan. And probably for a good reason. This is going to have a and did have a very limited audience because of the subject matter. So, Henrik, have you ever played Shenmue? I haven't played the original. I did see the trouble of hunting down the sequel, Shenmue 2. Hmm. Most notably the Xbox version, which came with the DVD version of this film. So you have seen it before? I have, and I also quickly did check up the sequel game for this episode and watch some gameplay footage from the first game, the game this movie is all about. Very good. I did the same. I had a recording from 11 years ago of a failed playthrough video with my friend. We did the first disc on the Dreamcast and that went pretty well, but my friend was... Really not up for doing 20 hours of Shenmue's or something like that. We skipped that and yeah, checked all the additional disc adventures from the original Shenmue in YouTube. Shenmue, this is kind of a special kind of a game. This is the pretty much the first of its kind of an open world adventure game. If you are a console gamer in that case, yeah, I, I guess that that would be... Or something like that should be kind of explaining the game's high popularity. Well, it's not only the open world, of course. It's the fact that there is uh, hundreds of computer-controlled characters that have their daily lives. And I don't know if you have seen something similar in the PC, but they have their daily lives, their routines that they do. And uh, if I remember correctly, the game has about 50 hours of recorded speeches. So there's quite a lot of variety for its time. We're talking about 1999. And Shenmue is also the game that kind of invented the quick time events, which are called also, I guess, quick events in some cases. Uh, And cancer in the more serious gaming circles. Well, it depends from who you ask. I actually kind of enjoy it. Well, if you ask anyone who is serious about his gaming... I don't know. You know, I very much enjoy the fact that um, you can watch a cutscene of kind of a cinematic qualities and then at the same time just press and push some buttons and, you know, enjoy the ride and uh, do different kind of choices by pressing different buttons and so on. I, I, I know that I had the same type of experience. It lasted entirely for five, five cutscenes, and after that I was completely done with it. Yeah, I mean, of course I enjoy the most 
still the moments where you are free to roam in the open world and control the character. But well, I I think if you're going to have cutscenes, it's more fun to have quick time event cutscenes than just cutscenes. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> hmm. Like, not not the least. That that is a sentiment that I. I can believe a Shenmue fan is making. It was kind of a sentiment I was also expecting from you, but that that's also completely the wrong sentiment. You're hopeless. Carrying on. Like, like the, 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 this is this is to all our listeners. This is a statement that you can get from a from a console gamer. <sighs> like I said, hopeless. What else was going on for the PC at the time? Like Shenmue, (laughs) nothing at at the level of detail uh, that we're talking about. This is a big work of art, like five years into making. Depends on how you define detail, because when when contrasted to PC, the only thing that Shenmue really has that is visionary is the GTA 3 style behind your back, third point of view of the game world and the character and that being combined in the, this kind of open world. Because open worlds, they were on PC, multiple factors within those open worlds also on PC has been since always, actually has PC has had more factors and more of basically all these things and PCs and side activities than Shenmue games themselves had. This uh, attempts at ep- epic storytelling and and some kind of a deeper considering, deeper ponderings. Also, we had it kind of on PC years or even decades before Shenmue. So, outside of the perspective and the graphical quality combined with that perspective and combined with the open world, I would say that is... Perhaps the only thing that Shenmue can really say that we didn't yet have on PC because our open worlds were often either from the isometric perspective or then from the first person perspective. I give you the open world, of course, but we're talking about like a real life simulation on the level of Shenmue where many of the details have been given a lot of consideration and that you have a world where you have a... Of course, this is nothing revolutionary now in that sense, but it is pretty much, if not the first, and one of the first games to introduce such of a day and night system and uh, different weather effects taking place according to the original real calendar of 1986-1987, where this game is based on. So when it's supposed to snow, I, it's I, going I, to I, snow. I, I, you you might have the real world calendar, but when when it comes to day and night cycle, the weather effects and even even changes of weather based on the seasons. Well, that also all has been PC for God knows how long. And who did it? Like we 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 kind of reached that one in the eighties already. <laughs> oh come on! And who did it the best at yeah, the, at we, the we, time? Yeah, we I mean. I mean I mean, even in the fucking original dungeon crawlers, the ones that didn't actually take place in the dungeon, but but in in some cityscape, even those had day and night cycles. And could you go? And that those 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 cycles could actually affect the NPCs, like 
like your fantasy village would have had a smith who is at home during the night time and back at the smithery during the daytime. And could you go in... The only thing where Shenmue really breaks the realism here, most notably when compared to PC counterparts, is, is in how little there actually is to do in Shenmue. Or at least that was the case in Shenmue 2 when I played it. Uh, to do with what? Well, to do do anything, really. Because the, f- because the game itself, Shenmue 2, was pretty much a black void of boredom and things that you actually can't do. Like, there, there were a couple of mini-games. You could do little arm wrestling and play, I, I don't know, some kind of a pachinko or something like that. And then you could collect those plastic toy figurines from the vending automates. And that was pretty much it. Yeah, I see you don't really understand the appeal here. You know, you are probably going to say a lot a lot about how this is very cliche in its storytelling and all that, but nevertheless, no, no. At, the to- at the time, and I think even now, it has a pretty decent story uh, and the way that it's told. Well, well... <laughs> When it comes to the story, you know, let's let's do you a favor because we members of the glorious PC gaming master race, we are nothing <sighs> if not giving. So let let's do do you a favor and return back to the story when the franchise actually finally sees it fit to actually finish the story. Like I I know it's it's going to be another thirty years until you finally get the final Shenmue game. And you can say that the story is finished. But I'm I'm willing to, you know, I'm willing to throw you a bone. I'm willing to wait those for those 30 years so that the story can proper can finish. And then we I can come back to you and we can discuss about the story. That's really fucking evil. I've been waiting for Shenmue 3 <laughs> for 18 years, dude. <laughs> yeah, so, so I get it, so I get it, because I, I also noticed the moment when when the when the game was announced, like, I was in my bastion of PC gaming, when when all, all these all, all these fucking plebs just broke into the courtyard, and they, they were flinging the announcement trailers, and they were yelling, like, look, 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 we have Shenmue 3, and at that point, I, I went to my balcony, and I looked at the the banners of Shenmue 3, and I was like, yeah, looks like shit, mate. And went back inside my bastion, while the entire Reddit burned around me. So I, I know, I, I, I know you guys have been waiting for Shenmue 3. I think this is going to be, once again, one of those episodes, after which, offline, you will tell me that, oh, maybe I was a little bit harsh on this one, Karin, maybe I shouldn't have <laughs> said that. Because... Because this is actually my favorite game ever, for several reasons, which I probably can't explain to you, because you haven't uh, actually played the f- game properly. I don't know if you even finished Shenmue 2, <laughs> but you know, we're not talking... No, no, talk- I, I, I did it, I did it. I, I, I just got, I tried to finish Shenmue 2, I, I got as far as the moment when Ryu is being captured in Kowloon and... It- and he has to escape by wiping handcuffed to Choi. I got past that one, that quick time sequence, which was the escape scene. And after that, I, I was like, I, I've had it with this game. I took it out of the console. I always meant to come back to the game and finish it properly. But 
me meaning to come back to the game it's, it's kind of the same kind of a process as the maker or, or, of the franchise meaning to finish the fucking story eventually and come back and make the final Shenmue game well that's in in no way is it you Suzuki's fault here you know Sega fucked up Sega fucked up Dreamcast that is the reason that we still don't have Shenmue 3 the marketing of that console oh, was you, so troubled you you but you are going to have Shenmue 3. So, yeah, but so Maker Suzuki has a chance to now redeem himself and finish the story properly in Shenmue 3. Exactly. Except that is exactly what the bastard is not going to do. Because it's already been mentioned that Shenmue 3 does not actually finish the story. It's go- still going to be like seven more Shenmue games you guys have to play through until you actually see what happens in the end. Unfortunately. So good luck with that. Unfortunately, he's already talking about uh, Shenmue 4 and Shenmue 5. Yep. And of course, that is that is downright ridiculous. Your Kickstarter crowdfunding the Shenmue 3 uh, to get it going. And what do you do then before it, the Shenmue 3 is even out? You're starting to talk about the future sequels because you want to keep making more Shenmues. Fine by me, but... You can't say that at this moment, so better just to finish the original story that you were planning to finish back in, whatever, 1995. So, so like I said, you know, after 30 years, let's come back to the storyline of Shenmue 3 and, and then analyze how good the story was. Because <laughs> it, it's not kind of a fair game. I, I, I think it's not fair to you, to console gaming to Shenmue and to Japanese people as a nationality to actually tackle with Shenmue storyline and the story of, or even of this film before the dude actually finally fucking finishes telling it. Once again, it's nothing to do with Yu Suzuki. It's the fact that he was unable to do this at the time. Because Dreamcast failed. And he's still unable to do it. Shenmue was was supposed to be the... Final, like, final try to keep Dreamcast alive at the time. But the fact that fact of the matter was that the crowd was not coming back to Dreamcast. Whether or not Shenmue would blow everybody's mind, the customers were not just coming back because PlayStation 2 and so on. But So what, what is actually the explanation for Suzuki not finishing the story now? Like, was it somewhere in those original Dreamcast builds where there was Suzuki's own document on how to finish story? No, it's... now, now that document is lost. Was it some kind of a demo disc where Suzuki had made himself a goddamn flowchart on how finishing a story works and that flowchart is lost with all those all those trashed copies with Dreamcasts and unfortunately one of those Dreamcasts had the demo disc inside it. Uh, once again, I would like to come back to the fact that there was nothing better at the time doing these all kinds of things together, you know, having weather effects and uh, and uh, computer-controlled characters in a free 3D environment. So you're just blowing uh, actually, smoke out of your ass. Actually, actually, that that's also is, is something where PC gaming was, and in a way still is ahead of console gaming. And that is that... That in in PC games, the makers knew how to end the story. Like it, it was like the game starts, the story starts, and when the game ends, the story is over. Like that, that, that is something that that has been mastered in PC gaming. 
Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from your PC gaming masturbation in this podcast. I mean, you <laughs> fucking PC gamers and your <laughs> endless master race talk. You, know. <laughs> you, you, <coughs> there, there, I, I'm certain that in, 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 with that, that master race, there was supposed to be glorious there somewhere. When it comes to let, let's let you know let's let's use the right terms here in the lab. Nope, never happened. <laughs> PC PC gaming has never been <laughs> comfortable for me. I I, I can't oh, understand oh. how you can ergonomically fucking stand playing PC games. The, I, underst- the, I understand the, the, it. The, the, I, <laughs> I understand it in a situation where you're playing something extremely boring and monotonous like Age of Empires or Command and Conquer where you might need your precious keyboard. But in like an action adventure such as Shenmue, you don't need that and it's actually hindering your your experience of the game. While your fucking (laughs) Windows is doing your blue screen of death or new message received or MSN Messenger has just crashed. Please restart your application. Look, I, I can I, I, I can understand that you, you don't get fully behind PC gaming. But <laughs> no, no. I, I would say the reason for that is is basically that your eyes can't follow the 60 FPS. Like it's it's it's, we, it's uh, basic, <clears throat> basically <laughs> 60 FPS which yeah. was prominent for Dreamcast games, I might add. You you, you kinda kinda actually can can't believe it, and you can see it when you watch Shenmue being played, because God damn it, if it's not the quick time galore. Well, isn't it? Especially on Xbox, it's running very smoothly. Mm-hmm. And, and once again, it's easy to do with quick time events, because with quick time events, you can easily control basically everything that the game throws in, in front of you. Okay. They, they are basically interactive cutscenes, and cutscene in itself doesn't actually take that much hardware. Just to restart this podcast to the ground level and start over. <laughs> so Dreamcast, um, Shenmue is the greatest game ever made. Uh, it was envisioned by the visionary Yu Suzuki <laughs> and released in Japan in 1999. And it revolutionized the game industry. Well, it it had a lot of elements together, as mentioned, that was kind of new. And I know that there are the people who like the game, the original, very much. And there are the opponents who do make fair points, like playing with your forklift and uh, simulating real-life work for several hours. How exciting can that be? I agree. I agree. But Shenmue the movie is indeed like a movie made out of the cutscenes of the original Shenmue. So we will not see any of Shenmue 2 here. And when the Xbox version of the original Shenmue released, it was packed with the, as said, as Henrik said, the DVD, the film version. So you could kind of catch up and see what happened in the original Dreamcast version if you if you happen to be an Xbox heretic and never played the original. I, I would ac- actually say that being an Xbox heretic and not, not touching the original was, uh, was doing yourself a favor. Here, in case of Shenmue, because God damn it, if I didn't have to watch the film again for the second time for this episode. I told you that you didn't have to do that, but I know, Henrik, the game is so fantastic that you'd probably watch it twice. 
Well, you are you are we, we pa- got, you are get, past it. You are past it. End of story. We 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 we, get, we we can get back to the game part later on in this episode. <laughs> once once you actually actually manage to find the gameplay. Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> but I, I I guess the most important question here to ask. I mean, I, I'm certain this is this is the one thing that our listeners are dying to know. Did you can in fact back the Kickstarter project for Shenmue 3? <laughs> Why do you have to ask that? I was <laughs> broke as hell at the time, and I didn't back it. Such of a good game. Such of a good game. <laughs> <laughs> and when I finally had the money, I forgot to back it. So, And then it closed. <laughs> and I was sad. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. But I, I rest your honor. No, you do not, because <laughs> during the day when the when the game was announced on <laughs> E3 2015, that was one of the greatest days ever. I cried for several hours. I couldn't stop. You have to, you know. I, of course, I give you that there is a lot of ridiculous things related to Shenmue, but it's all also has to do a lot with the timing when the game did come into my life. So yes, I'm biased. I was, what was I, 13, 14 when I was playing these games. And I have to admit that I learned a lot of life lessons, I think, from this. I learned a lot about the, you know, Japanese language. I got interested into the Japanese language. I got interested about the very formal Japanese culture and uh, different levels of respect that are so important in this culture. Also, I think many Shenmue fans don't quite get what this what this game is about. Of course, that is st- that still remains to be seen because we're not going to get to you know meet Landy in the near future, as it seems. But uh, Landy being kind of the he's essentially the dude who shows up for two cutscenes. Yeah, he is kind of kind of our opponent in in the series. In my opinion. The story is going to conclude as follows. Since Landy came to kill Iwao Hasuki, the father of Ryo Hasuki, in the dojo, believing that Iwao Hasuki had murdered his father, then he returned the favor. Because of that, and because of the endless themes, thematics in this series about how everybody is saying to Ryo Hasuki, how pointless it is to waste your life on revenge is that the way I think I think this series is going to conclude is that Ryo Hasuki will never defeat Landy and Landy will never defeat Ryo Hasuki they will see eye to eye and have a Coca-Cola and Pepsi together and that's the game see see your first mistake your first mistake there was to ac- actually assume that this story will ever conclude oh well yeah that remains to be seen, and I'm ready to crack some humor about that, for sure. God damn, Suzuki. But Henrik, what are the actors of tonight's film? We have Corey Marshall playing in the American version, Dio Hazuki. He is also a stuntman, as far as I gather. Was or is an ATA world champion in Taekwondo. Did ballet dancing. And... Decided to pursue the fine arts of Taekwondo. And in New York City there was an audition for Shenmue. And he applied. So it was a big project. Was really excited to work for Sega. And knew he was 
going to be involved in something epic. And Henrik, of course, you would like to explain to our listeners why Shenmue was the most expensive game at its time, ranging from 47 million to 60 million dollars. So definitely it went to somewhere. But of course, you're going to argue I... that it didn't. It did go to toilet or whatever your case is going to be. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to argue that it went into the graphics. It went to creating the city. And there you go. No what is it, this PC ma- holds, master race shit? That, that, like I said, that holds no gameplay in it. It, it, it went into the buildings you can't enter. It, it went into the hundreds of NPCs of wrong. We, of which five, five you can actually see at one time on the screen because the rendering Wrong. power does not actually grant you the sixth NPC. Wrong. It, it, it went into the his, his, historical background work just so that the band-aid on Ryu's face is, is just accurate to the time period, I, even though it doesn't matter at all, and none of that time period stuff in any way actually grants you any more gameplay. Wrong. But then we have Masaya Matsukaze playing the Japanese version. So where did the fucking money go? <laughs> if, 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 if I'm wrong, where did the money go? Like, who snorted the cocaine? Well, it went to the cinematics, it went to the graphics, it went to the interactivity of the game, where you can actually do a lot of shit in the environment, which was new at the time, so please give them a freaking break. <laughs> F- fuck you, quick time events is not real interactivity with a game world. Come on, where the like flick even, even in, 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 Where the f- even even in the original fucking lands of lore had more interactivity with the game world than Shenmue has. Like like oh. Shenmue Shenmue has as much interactivity with the game world when you simply analyze all the mechanics that you can interact with as your average text adventure. <laughs> and and we we are we are fucking talking about the stone age of gaming. That it is, and best at its time still. I I I I I looked at the film and the amount of NPCs that you can actually talk if going by the film is if everybody at exactly how many people Ryu talks in the film is exactly as much as in your average text adventure. Well, you have played Shenmue too. It's exactly the same thing. You can talk to all the NPCs. There is no limit. They are, yeah, and and only like twenty of them has anything to say. Everybody else has a token line about something. Well, I yeah. sure like wrapping my shirt. I I hate doing dishes. The apples sure look nice. Yeah, fair point. But 1999, Henrik. 1999. It was ahead of its 19... time. <laughs> The sentence needs to be clarified. In 1999, for console gamer, it was ahead of its time. I fixed it for you. Helpless. But we can't cling on to <laughs> some quick time events only here if we are going to be the flick lab, you know. Look, look at it as a full work of art and what you can find in it. I do. Do you? Are you going to give a fair <laughs> shot as a, for the Shenmue as a video game? As a video game. Actually, I, I, can, I can tell you what I didn't manage to find in it. And that was the ending of the story. 
You keep like, stabbing me, huh? <laughs> you you are the you are the one you are the one who pushed Shenmue into this podcast. You you are the one who actually actually said that we have to cover Shenmue the movie here on the lab. Yeah. Like this is on you, man. <sighs> Let's see how this goes. Or if I have to teach some manners for Henrik after this podcast. <laughs> no, but uh, Masaya Matsukaze is playing the Ryohasuki of the Japanese version. Born in Fukushima 1976. Actor, voice actor, radio personality. And known as far as I know for two things. Denchi Sentai Mega Ranger. <laughs> TV series in Japan, and for the rest of the world, we know him as Dio Hazuki. Then we have Hiroshi Fujioka playing Iwao Hazuki, the father of Dio. He played the world-famous Sega Saturn Japanese advertisement guy called Segata Sanshiro, also known for the superhero series Kamen Rider. And you had some additional personnel. Did that cast listing, like... When it comes to voice actors of, of Shenmue, the problem is that many of them haven't done anything that well-known in the West outside of Shenmue. So anything else that I, I can actually offer to you is, is Terry Osada, who played uh, or voice acted in a Hiata, and Megumi Mishima, who is also known from the Tenchu video game and also for Rumble Roses on PS2 and then from the American voice cast there is Eric Kelso who plays Masaya Fukuhara and Kuisang Shen in the American dub and Eric I guess more than Shen Mu Eric is known for his voice acting in Virtual Fighter and Tekken series good god you should repronounce that. It's Virtua Fighter. No L there. It's a matter of religion, Henrik. Well, I... Yeah, Virtua. <laughs> However that goes. I, I don't touch this started on Dreamcast games. Started on Sega Saturn games. Good God. Good that, that, God. That's kind of a, even more worse. That's almost even more worse than Dreamcast. Seriously, you you should be watching what you're saying in this podcast. <laughs> this you're talking about my two favorite consoles of all time. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm actually dreading that we are ke- getting awfully co- close to fucking Sega Genesis here at ah. this rate. Like, like that, that is the next touching point that we are going to reach with these consoles. Saturn and Dreamcast all the way. So you Suzuki is the writer and director of Shenmue the movie. He is, uh, you know, the brains behind the whole franchise. And just turned 61, if memory serves. Uh, the creator of Outrun, Virtua Fighter, as mentioned, and so on and so forth. He was able to make so popular video games for Sega that Sega basically gave him open hands to do whatever he wants. And Shenmue was one such project. And I'm waiting for your puns, of course. So they trusted him fully for, to make Shenmue the great thing for Sega, the savior of Sega. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. And you had something further. Well, the second director is Keiji Okayusa, or how, however you pronounce it. I'm not completely sure what he did on the, on the project, since I also am under the understanding that this was most 
if not all Suzuki's project, but he does have the directorial credit on Shenmue, whatever that means. I'm most likely just is the arrangement of the of the cutscenes or or something like that. But outside of Shenmue, he really does not have anything else under his credit outside of Gustam Robo Battle Revolution which was a GameCube game that I myself haven't touched. And that kind of a, seems to be pre- largely the running theme between basically anyone who was member of, of the Shenmue production team or, or, or took part in the project in some capacity, because mostly, especially when it comes to voice actors, it, it would appear that outside of Shenmue, many of them haven't actually done that much of, well, anything really. Yeah, when it comes to the American voice actors, it was organized in such a way that I believe the yeah the, the recordings anyway took place in Japan. So it turned out so that they were trying to look for some local help. And you can imagine how many American voice actors you have in Japan. So they didn't have a lot of voice actors, so many... <laughs> Voice actors would change their voice for different characters, so there's a lot of recycling going on. And a second problem being that Yusuzuki doesn't speak a lot of English and he needed to guide American guys who didn't necessarily then speak Japanese. So there was uh, problems in communication, like uh, how to explain, how to, you know, convey the character properly. And like you said, these are quite inexperienced actors as well. And you can definitely hear it there without, you know, that they have not even had proper guidance. And uh, basically, to put it simply, the American voice version is kind of shit. Yeah, I too, I have heard a lot of praise for the original Japanese voice cast, the original voice acting. And what I did check for this one, for, for the episode, it did appear to be much better than the American counterpart. I I give the film that much. Yeah, thank God you checked the Japanese version as well, because if you would be looking only at the Americans, you you know, you get a completely different kind of atmosphere from the American version. And yeah, still, I I guess it, it bears to note that in this episode, I am still going mostly by the American version, because that is the one that came with the game as a DVD, so that was the one that I primarily watched for this episode, and and the original Japanese dub was something that I kind of kind of a quickly glanced over, so that I can actually have a reference point between the two dubs. Yeah, Henrik, would it be scene by scene? I don't see why not, unless of course you want to talk more about the gratificatory nature of PC gaming. I would just like to go with these notes into the scene by scene. Shenmue, greatest game ever made. Alright, so now that's out of the way. We start with the 1986 Yokosuka. And basically this part of the, the city is the main area of the game. Especially for disc one as well if we're talking about the with talking about the dreamcast version which i grew up with of course now last year this was released re-released for ps4 so you can download it and play it on the ps4 store or playstation store whatever the hell it is and basically it's the original with 
no changes at all. They were attempting to do a, like a Shenmue HD version where they would update the textures for, for the characters and the environment, but they pretty soon figured out that, that it's probably going to look a little bit goofy if we update, you know, the graphics, but the character animations would stay the same. I kind of agree, kind of agree. So they just punched out the original version with some minor changes, like the, well, the subtitles are <laughs> higher quality in resolution, and you can see that they made the aspect ratio widescreen. Unfortunately, when it comes to cutscenes, they are still not widescreen. They are still original 4 to 3 size. Well, for technical reasons, and that's easy to see because you need to hide a lot of stuff when you are, you know, staging a scene. Same as when you're making a film. So that's how it goes. But the film kind of interestingly starts with the fight in Sakuragaoka Park, where Nozomi is rescued by Ryo, our hero of the night, giving kind of a glimpse at the character, what kind of a person he is. In the actual game, that scene happens a little bit later on, after all the father has been murdered stuff has happened. But here it makes sense, you know, to introduce the character in some way, I guess, like that. And then we got to the proper beginning of the game. So uh, also the game has has the S9 sequence where two grown-up bullies were trying to beat up a fucking 11-year-old. Yeah. Well, what, what, was this was this one of those cultural aspects that you were so drawn to? Mm, didn't tickle my fancy. There are better bullies on the way. See how expertly I avoided this conversation. And then we are indeed in the Hazuki Dojo, where the brother of Ryo, Fukusan, flies out of the doors. And Ryo enters the dojo, finds that there's two bad, bad guys with sunglasses in a darkened dojo, and Landy, our antagonist of the night. So what did you say that this scene is very cinematic? Henrik. I, I would say that dad fighting Landy is cinematic. Outside of that, the scene is actually a bit stupid when you look at it. The seasons change from, I, I guess, what would be spring or autumn to, to early winter. Late fall. And the snowfall, or it starts to snow in a matter of, I, I don't know what the time lapse here is. Like one walk in the park. Yeah, it's November 1986, if I remember correctly. Yeah, something like that. And from the bad guys, Landis, they are actually the only believable bad guy. The two, two henchmen are, well, they are once again from the henchman school of henchmen. They are the ones who wear sunglasses indoors. <laughs> yeah. D- during what is evening or early night time. Because that makes sense. Of course, they're trying to hide their lack of personality. Father is pretty much injured so that he's going to die in a few moments. Landy gets the mirror that was buried under the cherry tree. Uh, This is the dragon mirror. Which looks like a stone disc and not in any way anything like a mirror. Well, it looks like a Dreamcast GD-ROM. That's how fancy they were at the time. Ahead of their time. And the plot makes the revelation later on that there is not only the dragon mirror, there is also the phoenix mirror. And Iwao Hazuki was in the possession of both of them 
unbeknownst to our baddie of the night. And did not hide them in the same place because of reasons. Like I, of I course know, not. In, in hindsight, in hindsight, that that turned out to be a good idea because because that way Landy didn't get his hands on both mirrors. Of course. But then again, that's something that he didn't actually have a pre-knowledge at the time when he hit the mirrors. So basically, they attempt to hide them in two separate places, especially when the second place is suckier than the other. Really does not make that much sense. Yeah, well, in, of course, it's better that they're not in the same place, right? But w- once again, it's only with the hindsight that it is better. Mm, well, anyone who is... If I were to store gold stash somewhere, then I would place them under a cherry tree, under a mango tree, and under, a, I don't know, umbrella, and different kinds of places. So that's just me. I guess the reason why it was done as it was, why they were hidden in two different places was because in Dreamcast there was not enough rendering power to render two mirrors in the same location, so they had to split them up. You're so blasphemous in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, later on in Shenmue 2, spoilers, spoilers, the character Yanda Shu says that Iwao Hazuki murdered Zhao accidentally in Monshuan, or however you pronounce that Chinese place, which was the father of Lan Di, and that is the reason Lan Di went to kill Iwao Hazuki. But uh, Zhu believes that it happened, and it could not be true, whatever the fuck that means. So then uh, our hero goes into the city, talks with Nozomi, and basically the only lead is the big black car that left their porch that rainy night, or rather stormy night. And Nozomi knows that Tom had an argument with the guys driving the black car, and Tom is the good friend from America, of Rio's. And this is kind of the problems with this film, I feel, because the game is, of course, very much about gathering clues to get on with the game, but... I don't know, you know, following these different kind of clue gatherings throughout this film is just not so engaging to me. Maybe it was for you. No, it it most definitely is not. And I I don't know how how this sequence plays out in the actual game, but goddammit, does it look tedious in the film form? Because there is really not that much even... Like, I, I get the scene they are trying to aim at. They are trying to get that detective scene where the detective goes from person to person, gathers clues and combines them together. But the film, at least, does not have the scenes where Ryu would be pondering on the clues he has gathered and would run any kind of analysis on what he has just learned and what that means. It simply turns out like the, he goes to person A who tells him to go to person B who tells him to go to place C from where he learns mm. that the person D is in place E and from there he finds himself into place F that has the right person. I agree. And if you would follow and if you would judge the game by how it looks in the film how this element looks like in the film. Also, the game kind of looks like it would suck because it, it would kind of be this prolonged fetch quest. 
go to talk to this person, he tells you to go to this place to talk to this person. From there you learn that you have to go to this person and from yet another place to talk to yet another person. It's kind of like go to person A to get paper and take the paper to person B so he can be like, oh, writing and then give you the next clue. Like, it's, it's not e- even as a gameplay mechanic that wouldn't appear that much investigatory. Well, I guess it depends on, on the gamer. Like, honestly, I find this kind of a investigative games really kind of interesting. I don't need all the explosions or I don't need the freedom of a GTA in a sense where you can just but, random randomly but... shoot characters out of your own will. It's not about that, really. It's about... You know, this more down-to-earth story. But investigative gameplay is is a different thing than having a prolonged breadcrumb trail that you have to follow. How is it different then? Like, like if, if, your, if your investigative gameplay is that you have a clue, talk to person A. You talk to person A and he immediately points out that actually you have to talk to person B. And, he, and person B points out that you have to talk to person C. It's not really investigative gameplay. Because you are not actually investigating anything, you are simply going from place to place, learning that you have arrived yet again into a wrong place and you have to go to another place. Sure. What's the problem? You're following clues, you're following breadcrumbs. Not all of them will lead to the right place, but fortunately we're following a story, so they will. No, but, but the fuck are you investigating? Like, how are you investigating? You are simply following a line of dots. Of course. And not actually, like, 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 I, 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 once again, once again, Dreamcast and console gaming. Superpowers. On a a glorious PC Master Race side (laughs) of, of gaming, we have actually have games that require you to do investigation. They require you to gather multiple of clues and then cross-reference those clues to find out, you know, what you are actually supposed to do and where you are supposed to go. In in Shenmue's case, it appears to be that it's just a direct path. You, you go to Barber, and Barber says, no, go to teacher. Te- you go to teacher, teacher says, bring me paper. You go and fetch paper, bring paper to teacher. It's not really that investigative, Not not at least not in the PC gaming world. You're okay. You're you're now talking about like alternative storylines that you could pick up. Well, in Shenmue, what? you you follow one basically one linear storyline. There are there are some different paths that you can take, but they are quite minimal. So in that sense, you're right. But you can gather the same clues from different kind of characters. So in that sense, you have a little bit of a wiggle room and difference. What you can do. I, I'm I'm not even 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 talking about alternative storylines but judging by how the investigation is portrayed in the film it it appears to me that you know if the gameplay is like it's it's shown in the film in that case i've played pc games where i've had to investigate my socks more carefully and deeply than the investigation runs in Shenmue. Sounds like a pretty boring gameplay to investigate your own socks. Well, that would still be investigation. It it would be investigating something. Well, this is following clues and just trying to make sense. It's it's following one clue and not cross-referencing 
and not getting any additional clues to your investigation. I don't see the value of making it more complicated than it already is. It, 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 it's, it's more investigation in that sense. In that case, because then you would actually have to analyze something. You would have to, you would actually have to investigate something. Well, he is, and it just happens so that the line is pretty linear. You find people who are sailors, and via sailors you will find the organization related to said sailors, which is connected to Landy's organization. And and to me, it just isn't enough. I kind of long for a deeper element here. Okay. It was but... also my problem with the gameplay of Shenmue 2, where I also felt that the game did the exact same goddamn thing, where you were directly pointed out that go to this place, and, and you find this person from here. And you do. Yeah, and it it got boring, quite honestly. Like, I I didn't feel that I was actually actually doing investigation and and coming up with my own ideas that I actually figured out what I was supposed to do. I was constantly being told what to do next. And mm. that's, in, as an investigative gameplay, that just doesn't cut it for me. Okay, let's check out some scene by scene at this moment. So, Rio was looking for Chinese, because that's kind of the only clue that the guys in the black car were Chinese. And he goes to the barbershop, but it doesn't make any sense in the barbershop to anyone. The father of barbershop advises to look for sailors, to gather information on Landy. And uh, Ryo Hasuki goes to bar Yokosuka and MJ Jazz Bar, no avail. And then goes to Heartbeats Bar, gets into a fight, beats up everyone, of course. Ryo says that he's looking for people from... Chinese cartel, I believe he got the idea of Chinese cartel from the father of the Chinese restaurant. And the bartender says to look for a guy called Charlie. Finds Charlie in the tattoo parlor. He gets out of the tattoo parlor and Nozomi is there waiting for him. Talking about college orientation which came and went. Rio is completely focused on other things right now. Says he hasn't decided on where he's going. But if he does go somewhere, it will have karate. Rio has a nightmare. Now Ine-san, the kind of a mother figure of Rio, hands Rio the letter from Iwao Hazuki, the father, and the letter is written in Chinese. Rio goes to a Chinese restaurant to translate the letter. They can't do it. The vending machine guy, who always keeps freaking pestering you in the game to give him a free drink, and he advises to go see Lucio, a China shop's owner, Zao-san, and uh, thanks Ryo for helping go when the other day in Sakuragaoga Park. The letters characters are reversed and written in a special style, so they used a mirror to make sense out of it. It says, beware of those who pursue the mirror. If you ever need help, seek the aid of Master Chen, Zhu Yangla, and uh, has information about Father's Heaven Nine Dragon's Mother's Earth comrades, which turns out to be the keywords to say in the phone call to the number that is also in this letter. So he gives the keywords in the phone, but then asks some stupid additional questions and gets cut off, but gets the information that uh, the center of operations for that phone number is in warehouse number 8. So he goes to the harbor. Funnily enough, Rio didn't, to begin with, figure out that there would probably be a hell of a lot of sailors in the harbor, but he takes his time to get to the harbor. 
there are some small differences between this film audio-wise compared to the game. In the film, there's added background effects, like different kind of ambient sounds, which sounds way more cinematic. And also the voices sound better because they are not the extremely packed audio files that you have in the game. Here the voice lines are in full quality. And basically now that we get to the harbor, it's kind of like the disc 2 of the Dreamcast version. So yeah, the original game or the game discs for Dreamcast would hold approximately a little bit over one gigabyte of data. So disc 2, here we go. I always felt the harbor is very gray, looks really boring. And I'm always yearning to go back to, into the city. This place just looks depressing. And unfortunately, you will spend the most of your time in the harbor working as a forklift driver. Sounds like a groundbreaking gameplay right there. That was a big mistake, but taken into account how the original plan of this series was going to be, Shenmue 1 was going to be the first game of several games. I'm not sure if they were going to make exactly 16 games, but the idea was... Holy fuck! 16! Like, what, what were they actually trying to do with all the games combined? Was it going to be like Workman Simulator? <laughs> it was going to be some kind of a really ambitious life simulator where things would be taken very slowly and maybe you release new chapter every year or something. Also, I can't remember how many chapters of the actual story the first Shenmue game covers. Uh, is it four chapters? And then Shenmue 2 would be also four, whatever. But, uh, you know, the original script for the franchise consists of 16 chapters. And uh, there was going to be way more games uh, in the franchise. And that's why you maybe get the more boring Shenmue 1 compared to the much more interesting Shenmue 2, where a hell of a lot more is happening. I think they packed a little more of those chapters into that Shenmue 2. Like the second game originally could have been, you know, when he comes to Hong Kong, and then the third part would be in the fortress. But yeah, what what is it about Shenmue the movie that doesn't make it feel like a proper movie? I linked you this material about uh, which covered pretty well, you know, how a pretty good film is usually structured. There's wants and there's needs, which we sometimes forget about. So there's a clear need in this film. Like, Ryo Hasuki has to get to the guy who murdered his father, which he doesn't get to do even in this film, which is kind of a problem. But um, that is the need. It doesn't come into fruition, and, and there is no want. As far as I can tell. Maybe not. Maybe not. Like, like if we dissect the mo uh, character motivations in the wants and needs, and if we go, like you said, the need is that Ryo Hazuki has to, he needs to avenge his father to Landy. They are, they are too, Ryo is constantly so far away from Landy. Not necessarily physically, because they... At the second disc, they do share more or less the same location. I, I took it that Landy was hiding in, in the docks, but emotionally, they are like oceans apart from each other. 
because ba basically Rio's need is is extremely high level need. I need to kill this guy, and what he does throughout the game is is extremely low level stuff. I go around and ask about the leather. I go around and ask about car. I find the second mirror, which doesn't even directly tie into my need, which is to kill Landy. So I, I would say that that is kind of a when it comes to narrative structure, that is that might be the problem why the film doesn't work. The another problem is that. These films made out of video games, they often don't actually work. And part of that is, or a huge part of that in my opinion, is that the video game experience is so heavily tied into you playing the game. So when you actually take out of the gameplay from your video game movie and you simply use cutscenes, not only is the narrative extremely jumpy, jumping from yeah. cutscene to cutscene and therefore from plot point to plot point without the actual game footage to tie it together. And this is something that the evolution of video game movies kind of has tried to address to because today the, well, illegal video game movies which you can find, for example, not, not going to mention in YouTube, but st most definitely in YouTube, <laughs> They tr they try to actually have a, quite a lot of the gameplay also amidst the cutscene sequences to kind of make it flow better, to make the whole more comprehensible. And that also has driven them to, to actually be as long as from 5 to 7 hours these days. So here, here we are dealing with, with a movie that has been made out of a video game, it's it's an hour and a half in running time, it's 90 minutes, and it's using outside of couple of sequences, it's using only the cutscenes to tell its story, so uh, also that way the narrative and the way how the narrative is being told, it's, it is jumpy, and the narrative points are kind of a disconnected from each other, there is not that loose stuff which wouldn't be... A high narrative point, but instead it would it would be something that would make the transition from a plot point to plot point more easier. And you're absolutely right. It's uh, jumping from location A to B to C to D without kind of anything in between to properly tie it to it. So that's something that you don't really see in regular filmmaking. But, but video game movies are, are together. They they are hard to pull off, and I would say that they they as as a media they don't completely stand the challenge against a normal film like like a for example a Hollywood film production. They are always going to be a bit more clunkier, no matter what you do, because they. Because the original media that you are using, the video game, is still so different from a movie. I've of course played this game through like 10 times. Takes a lot of time to go through, but uh, that's why I have no tr real trouble to follow the plot here. But did you find the plot hard to follow with all these cutscenes just as your, as your assistance? It, it wasn't hard. To, to follow more more than hard, it was a lackluster in my opinion. Mm. There was a he hell of a lot of stuff that didn't matter. 
stuff that obviously was put there to kind of tease something that would come later in the narrative. And because most of the plot is like that, it, it's kind of giving you the first glimpses of stuff that would be important later on. L- like the like the mirrors and and the myth that you can resurrect some kind of ancient Chinese dragon lord if you combine the two mirrors. And even Landy, who actually doesn't do that much anything in the narrative of this film. He kills Rio's father and the next thing time you see him, he's already leaving Japan to China. So, they're really, like, like when I look at, look at this as a standalone piece, when I look at this as a movie, I, I don't feel that there really is that much story. It's, it's mm. basically, it's Rio loses his father, then he finds out that Landy is in is hiding in the docks, and then Landy leaves to China, and Ryu decides that he will also leave to China, and roll credits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, when it comes to the want aspect of films, that kind of refers normally to, to some kind of a character development, be it like having the girl of your dreams, which doesn't happen here because Ryu is just being very wooden as he always is, which actually kind of makes Rio who he is. And when he has any kind of a facial expressions, it kind of makes it all the more <laughs> exciting. But, you know, yeah, there is no character development in that sense. There is there is no girl of the dreams that will be caught by the end of the film or even by end of Shenmue 2, nothing like that. Uh, there could be some, some want, like maybe the character in the beginning feels awkward about himself around people and then by the end of the film he would feel more encouraged to talk with some different kind of people that kind of development there's not i i find nothing like that here yeah and ryu as a character he doesn't actually like if you would ask yourself what does ryu achieve in the course of the story well the the only answer i can find is that he achieves the knowledge that he has to leave for China. Pretty much. So the big problem of the film is that it pretty much does what it's supposed to do, I guess. To work as a teaser for Shenmue 2, which you would be eager to play after watching this film, I guess. If you were eager enough to go to see this in the cinema in Japan. <laughs> so I, I, I would say that at that point you would already be a fan of Shenmue. Yeah, and even for for a fan, I can say that this is pretty tedious to watch because, well, I know all the cutscenes, there's nothing really going on beyond the cutscenes, so it's just like replaying the game in a way. So when Ryo Hasuki enters the harbor, he pretty much immediately goes to look for the warehouse number 8 and finds it. And prior to that, you have this little... Metal Gear Solid moment, in fact. It's like the, the the special part of the game where you get to sneak around the guards and run for warehouse number 8 with a flashlight. <laughs> so, uh. Yeah, so why exactly in the game didn't Rio do this during the daytime and just avoided all this sneaking around the guards bullshit? Um, I'm not sure. Well... I suppose he was just trying to do it under the cover of darkness with a flashlight. But nevertheless, he gets into warehouse number eight. Master Chen is there with Guizhan, his son, 
Guizhan first challenges Rio for a fight, but then Master Chen stops this. Master Chen recognizes the handwriting of Xu Yanlai in the letter. Xu and Rio's father Iwao brought the mirror from China, which Landi came to collect. And uh, Landi is a member of Chiyu Men organization. Master Chen is bound by his promise to Xu Yangla to carry on and help Ryo. Master Chen also knows that there's another mirror of a mythical bird that guards human life. And that's uh, the Phoenix Mirror. <laughs> it might be at Ryo's house. And so it is. He finds it there. Under the poster that Ryo just magically knew to take off and look behind off. Yeah, that's because in the game it's not explained in the film very well, I have to say, but in the game you find a key in the Rio home. Then later on you realize what this key is for. You can use it for this box that is in the dojo. You open that, you get the katana, and in the store you get the sword hand card. Then you combine those two. And well, yeah, it took a hell of a lot of investigation during the game, but finally you just realize that you can look behind those few things hanging on the wall and ta-da, there's a place for the sword handguard. I think that was the biggest headache in the whole game, to find that. But, but see, you finally got some investigative gameplay in your game. Ha, huh. and Ineson recalls that there's something in the antique shop that is the handguard. So Iwo has been very calculative, like spreading all the shit around into different places, but uh, it doesn't take a hell of a lot of time for Rio to figure all the things out. And Rio finds the secret room, finds the Phoenix mirror, again goes to Lucia China shop, and hears about what you were just saying there, that the, there's a legendary bird of fortune, the Phoenix, and you combine this Phoenix mirror with the dragon mirror, then some magical stuff will happen, and and it could be just that the the Lord of the Sky is activated. And still nobody knows why Landy would want that to happen, but it looks like he does. Yeah, all this myst- mythical bullshit kind of comes... At least in the film it comes completely off guard. It's, it, it, it tries to be, or it aims to be this semi-realistic murder investigation of sorts and all of a sudden you hear that there is this mythical legacy about some ancient spirit lord or something like that that will resurrect if you combine two magical mirrors. Everybody seems to be hinting that doing exactly that would cause the world to end, like it would be some kind of apocalyptic event, so you most definitely should not resurrect the dragon head of the seven skies or whatever it is supposed to be and still that seems to be Landy's endgame for no apparent reason. Well yeah we still don't know the motivations of Landy and once again that's the problem of the film that you will not know that. In Shenmue 2 if you play it until the end you will realize that the phoenix mirror is put into some good use there. And some magical stuff happens. And like you said, that's kind of coming out of the left field. Coming out of left field. I also didn't like that. That you combine some semi-realistic story with some mythical creatures. But so it does. 
it's not hindering the gameplay enjoyment just yet. Maybe in Shenmue 3, you know, pigs fly and magical creatures walk the earth and work as kind of a, some kind of a, a helping hands for Landy to conquer the world. I don't know what I've seen actually the announcement trailer and and the gameplay footage used in that tra- uh, trailer. I'm still kind of hesitant to guess would there be en- enough rendering power for the flying beaks. <laughs> this is a confusing podcast. Like hon- honest to God, honest to God, my expectations on what will happen in Shenmue 3 is that Landy will combine the two mirrors and tries to summon some kind of a magic around him and as a result of that the game engine just crashes <laughs> well Ryo goes back to talk with Yamagishi-san in the Dobita park and uh, he tells that he was close friends with the Iwa Hazuki yada 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 and then he teaches Ryo the same move that he taught to Iwao through the power of forceful editing if my eyes serve me right here you mean because the... goddamn, god goddamn, if the animation isn't clipping in that point. Yeah, it, the original slowdowns of Dreamcast are right there sometimes, <clears throat> in all their glory. I noticed the same when the seventy-man battle is about to start near the end of the film, and you know the, the the frame just freezes for a couple of seconds and then continues into the battle. That's some sloppy editing, my friends. But yeah, then we are introduced to the Kalem. Kalem of this film. Chai. Chai is the annoying character that has the fighting style of Lion Rafale from the Virtual Fighter series, by the way. In this very crouching way, he is approaching his opponents. A very hard character to actually beat in the uh, Virtual Fighter series because of this fact. So, since you made the mentioning of the budget of the game and the attention to detail that went with that budget, which is fantastic, by the way, yeah? Yeah, so what, what, what is the fantastic excuse for Chai not having any lips? He doesn't have any lips? Okay. No, no, his, his mouth is just this all-the-time open black hole, which has some teeth painted in front of it. I know the explanation. Right here. It's because he's a ex-drunken guy, and he has lost his lips due to excessive drinking. Okay, well, I, I can't believe that, because my theory actually was that the whole dev team had lost the budget due to excessive drinking. <laughs> could, could be, could be. You know, in fact, I think in Shenmue 2 the secondary character animation is way better. In the original Shenmue, you know, I don't know about the lips, but the mouths are moving very robotically still. But for the more more important characters, they are more carefully animated. I don't know about the mouth movement, but goddammit, if, if if not in each, every scene where Ryo is expecting something, like expecting a stone or st- studying a katana or, you know, looking at at, at his phone bill, Every single time the dude has this million yard stale stare. <laughs> There's some exposition given that Landy probably had not figured out that Father Iwao had both of the mirrors. And all of this magical stuff is being discussed that we already discussed here. 
there is no knowing what Landy will do with these mirrors or would do if we had both of them. So now the plan is to find the mad angels at the docks, which is a big plot point in the game. You have to look for the mad angels for the umpteenth time. And then you randomly come across a bunch of those guys because they don't like Ryo Hasuki. And finally you get to the leader of Mad Angels, which is Terry. And Terry then knows Landy, more or less. So there's hope to find Landy, but um, there is suspicion that Landy has already gone to Hong Kong. Well, during playing the game, I al always felt that Landy had already gone to Hong Kong, like way ahead. But of course you can read anything you want into it, because it's never really revealed when he leaves Japan. There's a good quote from Master Chen, you should not waste your life on revenge. And like I stated, I think this is a, like a reoccurring theme in the game. Everybody telling Ryo how foolish this whole operation or enterprise for him is. And he should stop immediately. But he doesn't, which makes me believe that Shenmue 3 is about all about forgiveness, basically. And you will not have your sweet fight with Landy ever. Sorry, guys. Or if you do, oh, it, oh. it will not end in death. Sorry. Yeah, I, I would say the final fight with Landy is being saved until to Shenmue 7. Looking forward to it. I, uh, I My... my careful guess is that after Shenmue 3, you will be the only one looking forward <laughs> to Shenmue 7. Well, apart from your clear enthusiasm for the series, I can come forward and give you a little bit of a support here in the sense that I am worried about Shenmue 3 because, like we have stated ad nauseum, these things that Shenmue 1 and Shenmue 2 were kind of a revolutionary at the time, but where does Shenmue stand technically in 2019? Is it going to survive the scrutiny of the testers and uh, reviews? Because there has to be something more that, than there was back in the day, for sure. For sure it has to be more... I guess there has to be more, more gameplay, actually. I guess there has to be less loading screens. It has to be in every way smoother than it was. I hope they can pull it off. Well, what I've seen of the gameplay, what I've seen of the trailer, it doesn't appear so. It, it, it doesn't appear like it's... It looks like it's going to be just the more of the same stuff. It's going to be more Shenmue. It's going to be Shenmue 2 all over again. It's going to be quick time events. It's going to be mediocre at best fight controllers, which you use in five fights. And it's it's going to be stalling storytelling, which once again doesn't lead into any that interesting plot point in the end. And my 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 guess is that that Shenmue Three will get away with this, like like officially it will get away away with this because the fan base is still so much screaming up for for Shenmue Three that they will love it. No matter what, or e even if they don't, they won't admit that the game sucks. And the game media does the exact same stunt. Like, they, they will give it mediocre 
or they, they will give it lukewarm to quote-unquote good reviews, simply because they have been hyping the game this long, this hard, and everybody has been yelling how all the dreams have come through, and everybody has already lost their money on the Kickstarter, so nobody can now admit that Shenmue 3 is terrible, everybody will kind of vindicate it officially, and then they will announce Shenmue 4, and at that point, you are just going to mysteriously hear the crickets. <laughs> um, well, that's a, that's a fair point. That's why I'm hoping that they will come up with something new, something better. But from everything with, that we have seen from the demos, it looks exactly like Cinemat 2 with better graphics and a little bit, you know, smoother. Well, not even smoother animation. It, it's... it's oh. No, don't. No. That the animation is is jerky. Yes, it is. Or at, the, at least it was in the trailer. I, I, I don't know if they can smooth it over while, while the, the game still is in development. But, but some drastic changes has to be done even into the way how the characters move. And judging by how the dev team has presented itself, like from, from the comments on the Kickstarter... Or the Kickstarter page and the official statements that the dev team and Suzuki has been giving. Nothing actually gives me the confidence that they are going to change in any way or that there will be any major changes in, in Shenmue 3. Well, that would be catastrophic. My biggest uh, worry comes from this one game that Ryo plays. In one of the scenes you see that uh, he's playing the same kind of a game that appears in Shenmue 2, whatever you call it. You, you know, you drop the glass ball between all these metallic protruding objects and then the glass ball jumps in here and there and then you get a prize if you get the ball in the correct place. Yeah, I, I hated that game already in Shenmue 2. Right. I give you that much. And uh, then we have a Shenhua flashback in the film. And uh, Shenhua is the character that appears in Shenmue 2. Uh, has absolutely nothing to do with Shenmue 1 other than being part of these dream flashbacks or whatever they are. And she tells that the dragon shall descend on you. Hurry. I'm not even sure if this is in the game or if it was some added stuff here. But yeah. But there are dreams of Shenhua for sure. Then we get to Asia Travel Company. And uh, Ryo is trying to buy the plane ticket or a boat ticket to Hong Kong. It's 158,000 yen, so it's a little bit over the budget. And uh, is faced by some tough guys again while working with the forklift at the docks. Nozomi is crying in the snow at night and her mother will stay in Japan to take care of grandmother, but mother wants Nozomi to go back to Canada on her, on her own. She doesn't want to go because because she's, she's basically in love with Ryo, but Ryo can't tell heads or tails of his own feelings because he's in the middle of a murder attempt, so... <laughs> and uh, then there's a sparring with Fukusan, just like in the game, just like everything is in the game. Mark is being attacked by mad angels. This is one of the examples how the character of Ryo Hasuki is basically wreaking havoc in his community by his plan his enterprise to follow Landy. So innocent people are getting kicked because they are associated with Rio. And this will become more and more evident as we go to the end moments of the game. 
yet another fight in the warehouse. There's like endless amount of warehouse fights in the game and it gets absolutely tedious in the game as well. So the disc 3 part of the game is absolutely horrendously tedious, I will give you that. But then we finally get to the more exciting part, which is the all the end. For example, the 70 men free battle, which you see for a couple of minutes in the film. Ryo Hasuki beats up the tall guy, then gets to Terry. Terry tells that uh, he's basically not going to follow through his promise, and uh, Landy has already left the country. Swallow dive, and uh, Ryo swallows this move, and uh, Harbor Finale involves the Gullum. There's a pluck of metal that falls on the ground that injures Gui Zhang. So Gui Zhang is unable to follow Ryo to Hong Kong at this moment, and he does not appear anywhere in Shenmue 2. Okay, because, because I was actually wondering, does he appear in the in the second game? In here, the dude takes a fucking steel beam on his <laughs> his legs, and his father is just like, well, no, no worry, it will heal quickly. <laughs> and I was l- looking at the scene and going on like, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> no, it doesn't. The dude is happy if he can actually walk after that one. I know. That's a way too big steel pipe coming down. I, I mean, that, 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 that is something that even the jet fuel can't melt. Yeah. But you know, that's the magic of Shenmue. There is the Chai fight. So Lion Rafal against Akira Yuki, basically. Well, the fighting style of Ryo Hasuki in this game is basically kind of a mixture of Akira Yuki from the Virtual Fighter and also the character of Jackie Bryant. I think those characters mainly. Don't ask me what which kind of fighting style, but it's something in between. The whereabouts of the center of the mysterious letter, Zhu Yanla. His whereabouts are unknown. But another guy is available to help Ryo in Hong Kong. That would be Thao Li Shaw. And Master Chen gives his address. Well, he gets aboard the ship. There's Nozomi flashback, just like in the game at this moment. And, uh, well, Nozomi goes to Canada and uh, Ryo goes to Hong Kong, so goodbye. And during Shenmue 2, there is nothing about Nozomi as memory serves. And I felt that they were always kind of an awkward pair, so hopefully nothing happens in the future either. To finish the film, uh, there is the press start button demo of the first Shenmue, where we see Shenhua with the bird. And the line is the one that I will mention as my favorite quote in this podcast. That's Shenmue the movie, Henrik. It, it, it was all just a prelude for, for the story. Yeah. So it Basically, like, like this is... Shenmue the movie is, is the moment in your average adventure film where the character decides to go for the adventure. Like, it's from Lord of the Rings. The, the moment when Bilbo decides that he will leave the Shire and go embark the adventure, or from the Hobbit when when Frodo is the one who who runs after Gandalf, I'm going after the adventure, and that that is like in those movies it's the first twenty minutes, and after that the whole rest of the film is the adventure, and in here those twenty minutes basically are the entire film. 
or you could say that this film is in in its entirety basically the entire fellowship of the ring because that's when i feel that the adventure is really starting to kick in but fellowship of the ring of course comes with way more excitement than this one yeah it, it was kind of a lackluster to be completely honest watching this one no shit i mean i will stand my ground i i love the Shenmue series and it has given me a lot but this film it just doesn't work in a film format i'm afraid even though like the cutscenes as you see are quite cinematic at the moment just putting together random cutscenes and to try to make it sense in a film something is missing here for example like a proper rhythm you know it feels exactly like that it's just cutscenes put together and honestly i was really disappointed that there is none of the gameplay moments you know included so it feels like Rio is just standing in place A, then his Rio is standing in place B, talking some, to some other person, and then Rio is standing in place C, and so on and so forth. I I I was left wanting resolution to well to anything. I I, I can't even even say what would have needed to conclude at the end of the film, but but some resolution. Yeah, when I finished uh, Shenmue One for the first time as a game, well. It was really nice to finally get the hell out of Japan because I had spent so much time and effort in the goddamn harbor playing with the fucking forklift. I was happy to move on, but then the game ends. So, yeah, yeah, Shenmue 1 is kind of a big cock teaser, to say it nicely. And it still is held as the, one of the best games of all time. The game to end all video games. Well, <sighs> well that's more of a statement about the series... As a whole, I believe. Like Shenmue 2 but, but, is a but, uh, huge improvement from here. It's going to get more exciting. I, I, I don't know. I, I would say that the I, I would say the official judges are still pondering their their answer <laughs> on that one. I will get to review time very soon. We should go through I guess the quick categories in order. So favorite performance from my end, it's Master Choi, the weird, lipless, creepy motherfucker who was, hands down, the most enjoyable and funniest character in this whole mess. <laughs> yeah, very enjoyable. I, 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 the laugh, laugh was, was ear-piercingly irritating, but I, I did appreciate everything else. On Charlie, I, I I appreciated how he f- just appeared to be flying from place to place, and how he couldn't close his mouth, and how he actually looked like like a complete degenerate. Yeah, I just have to attempt this one. You're not going to Hong Kong because the Great Chai will defeat you. <laughs> so well, yeah, that was a shitty performance, but I think he does a pretty good performance. That's a good point. For me, it would be Landy actor Paul Lucas in the American version. But in Japanese ver- version, I guess I'll just go with um, Masaya Matsukaze as Ryo. Or hell, well, I'm going all over the place, but let's say for Japanese version it's uh, Masaya Matsukaze, and English version it's Corey Marshall. He does a fine job conveying kind of the woodenness of Ryo. And uh, I enjoy that. In Clarity's name, all my quick categories are 
based simply on the American dub. So all, all the points I have to make about my choices in, in the quickies, they are all based on the American dub version of the film. So, favorite scene? Would be Rio sitting with Nozomi on a bench at the park. I felt that those two scenes with with Nozomi and Ryu where where they go over the obsession and 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 they go over the is there isn't there romantic affections between the two characters. I felt that they were they were the most cinematic sequences. They they were the ones that had most emotion or at least had at least some emotion, some heart in them. You mean and the scene where Nozomi is with this uh, short skirt sitting in the bench with snow flying? Yep. To- talking about how how Christmas is already over or winter is already over. Yeah, talking about how to get sick properly. Yep. For me what you raised right now is a really good choice, but since I couldn't really get anything here, I would say it's just the 70 man battle, I guess. Which looks like 5 men battle or 10 men battle in the film. That it does. Favorite quote? This, once again, once again, I, I'm going off with the American dub here, but it, it's from that one odd twisting and squatting dude at the docks who goes, Yo, dude, seem a bit blue, got a problem? Then I'm your man. While he's giving Rio the Hitler salute. Like, I, I guess that, that, was, that was very nuanced performance. There was, there was a lot of subtlety there and a lot of things going on beneath the surface. <laughs> You chose Goro as your favorite quote character. I it's the I, one. I, I, dis- I, 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 I. <sighs> it's the only character I despise in this series. <clears throat> it's 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 outside of Chai, It's it's the best character of the film. Yo, man, I'm your man. Yeah, my favorite quote would be from Shenhua from the ending of the film and the beginning of the <laughs> start menu. Uh, <laughs> this is too funny. What 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 is quote is that? The narrative is just about to start. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh what kind of begins and what ends the game. So, <sighs> he shall appear from a far eastern land across the sea, a young man who has yet to know his potential. This potential is a power that could either destroy him or realize his will. His courage shall determine his fate. The path he must traverse, fraught with adversity, I await whilst praying for this destiny predetermined since ancient times. A pitch-black night unfolds with the morning star as its only light, and thus the saga begins. Do you have to actually listen the whole litany when you start the game? No, you don't have to. It's only if you don't press start button. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for the small mercies. But you have to endure it when you end the game, after the boat. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, but at, at the end of the game, I guess you are already up to hearing that this is just the first chapter and, and now the saga will begin. Yeah, sadly. Favorite kill? 
Nobody fucking dies in this goddamn diseased game. It's all all just flesh and broken bones. Like, like Wrong. Ryu's father. Ryu's father is the only casualty of anybody's actions throughout the film, and that's the best kill. Yeah, you're right. I guess the only confirmed kill is Iwao Hazuki. So that's the one. So random confusing question. Are are you aching to play Shenmue now, Henry? God help no. <laughs> I'm I, I'm I'm going to fucking stay as far far away from the franchise as humanly possible. Don't you want to realize your will? No, I don't. I I I, I don't like. I I know everybody's hyping Shenmue Three, but I I'm so goddamn over with the franchise. I I watched the film. I tried to play the second game. I I. I guess I got somewhere like halfway. That's because completely... it's too hard game for you. It's it's too much quick time events for me. It's precisely that. That's not enjoyable the least. It was like Shenmue 2. Anybody who hasn't played Shenmue 2, most of the at least first half of the game is that you walk around, you find some master who promises to teach you the fucking ten-handed dragon. Tiger bomb strike, and then you have to first do a quick time event to catch goddamn lotus flowers as they fall down, and then you try to have to do another quick time event to hit the tree with your palm, and you get like three shots at these quick time events, and if if you fail those three times, then then the bastard goes to like, oh yeah, it's too late, I'm going back to get some sleep at this point, and you have to walk back into to the hotel where you are camping at this point of the story, sleep over the night and then wait mm-hmm. for the morning and walk back to the park to meet the master and yet again get three tries at the quick time event and walk back into the hotel, sleep, walk back into the park. And you continue this as long as you have to until you actually get that right. So you learn to move so the narrative can process. Then you actually don't use that strike properly in any of the fights and outside of that it's basically you are in some warehouse area lifting boxes because it's also the workman simulator you're just not skilled enough to pull off those moves when you're in a real time fighting but uh, yeah you know basically what you just said it has been you know predetermined since ancient times so but you are really spoon-fed with Shenmue 2, you know, by the way. You said about you have to go back to the hotel and then restart the day and go back to the master. Well, in Shenmue 1, you can't even skip, you know, the hours in between. You know, you have to really live the time and spend the time somehow during the day so that the day will just end. You can't, you know, forward fast rewind the clock. And, and, and this is the game you you got the maniacs are championing for. Like, Absol- this is your chosen game. Kakate, it's it's nothing but padding. Well, come on now. I mean, since you can't fast forward the time, you have uh, the adequate time to buy toy capsules one after the other. I like yeah, this. I, uh, Should I buy another I, I, one? I, I hated it. I hated it. it, it the same mechanic is sh- in Shenmue 2. Uh, it's the only staple mechanic to make sure that you can make money in, in the game. 
and actually save your money at the beginning of the game when your wallet gets stolen is to buy those goddamn capsules and then, you know, sell the toys. Maybe I should but buy another. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't buy another toy and you shouldn't buy another copy of Shenmue. Like, they're, they're, they're both no's. It's, it's a, just a long list of th- no's. A long list of things you shouldn't do and they are all tied to Shenmue. Should I buy more? Don't buy it. Don't, don't hype it. Don't play it. Maybe I should get another. Should I buy more? Maybe I should buy another. Yeah, that that that's pretty much that is pretty much outside of the workman simulator and the quick time events. That's the gameplay of Shenmue 2. <laughs> that, that that is like the, the, those two questions are the reason why the whole goddamn city was modeled in Shenmue 2. Uh, once again, you are the heretic who is playing only the Xbox version here. Had you played the original, had you played the original Shenmue you would have the save game file from the original Shenmue and you can transfer it to the Dreamcast version of Shenmue 2, which means, which means, you will have the toys from the Shenmue 1, all that you collected, all those titles, hours. And now, after your bag is stolen, you can go to the pawn shop and you can sell all those goddamn toys. And if you have the full collections of some of those, you will get an immense amount of money and save a hell of a lot of time in Shenmue 2. So that's how the pros do it. <laughs> oh my fucking god. That's, that's so goddamn retarded. Seriously. Should I buy more? First image that comes to mind. <laughs> actually, my first image is from Shenmue 2 after that discussion, but... Actually, actually, my from this movie, the first image that comes to mind is Rio's blank stare that he gives whenever he's actually deeply looking at something. <laughs> I guess for me it's uh, Rio stepping into the ship, leaving Japan, because that's the high point of the film and pretty much the game. Which image best exemplifies this film? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's either, either it's that blank stare, or that, it, that it's your pick. Rio stepping into the ship and embarking on the journey to find the rest of the franchise. <laughs> well, uh, I think the best executed scene in the whole film and the game, like cinematography-wise and everything, is the really the opening scene of the, the dojo opening where Iwao dies. What took you out? The goddamn dialogue. And and there there is plenty of these moments that completely took me out of the picture, but 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 basically all, all, all the nonsensical line delivery that you get with the English dub. Like like, like that mo- moment when Jenny's like ask Rio and th- this is I, I'm not complaining two lines of dialogue to one to make this sound more worse than it is. This is actually how the dine delivery goes. Was only one mirror stolen? I'm asking if only one mirror was stolen. And this is something that happens constantly. Someone states something and immediately repeats what he was, what he had just said. Okay, but uh, at this moment it's really confusing because it's only established that there's one mirror, so it's surprising. But yeah. It, it may be surprising, but still, Chen repeats himself. Sure. Like, 
immediately. It, it's it's kind of the same as as there's the dialogue exchange with once again regarding the mirrors between Rio and Chen. Rio states, and I quote directly from the film, "The mirror that man stole." Chen, it was stolen. Well, duh, it was fucking stolen. That was just what was just said in the <laughs> previous line. Like, like, holy fuck. Yeah, I mean, um, if we are going to talk about the American dub, it's pretty horrifying. So take it as you wish. If you have the chance, just listen to the Japanese one. The honky delivery, at least. I mean, my God. For me, what took me out, well, the, the, as mentioned, the film really... Well, there is no middle or end, Henrik. It will kind of leave the viewers in a cold by the end. There's no great finish. It leaves you hanging. And uh, so it's purposeful, really. So you can play Shenmue 2 to know the rest. <laughs> it either works or it doesn't. To be fair, that's kind of all it can do and was supposed to do. So, But still, you know, even if this was supposed to be a, the first part of a of a grand saga... The first game of the many. I, I still feel that that the game, this game, should have had a story. Like, like it, it should have had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then left few hooks open where the sequel actually continues on. This should have been able to stand on its own feet as a standalone feature if needed. Yeah, and there comes the problem, Mr. Bond. So if you're going to make a film out of the original Shenmue, there's... Nothing else you can really provide here, because that's how the game works. And to be fair, you know, they, the graphics also did take me out. There's nothing too much here to see anymore in a like, graphical sense, especially through the harbor, which always looked depressing and boring. <laughs> and uh, I, this film more exposes the often very cliche martial arts movie inspirations. But when I played the game, it was kind of okay, as I had not seen so many martial arts movies. But I guess that's part of the reason. But the game was never about martial arts to me. It was more about the value of being good, kind of doing the right thing, respect, uh, being well-mannered, as mentioned, and how you should actually not avenge your father's death, as I have mentioned in this podcast. And most Shenmue fans will laugh at my face for saying this, but I hope I will be right. What pulled you in? It is those couple sweet moments between Ryu and and Nasomi. Those those few I'm just sitting here on a bench together mm. with you moments that the film has. Leaning on the shoulder, that was nice. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of heart in them, but at least there was a little. And with this film, I'm kind of willing to take anything I can get my hands onto. I enjoy listening to Henrik liking something in this film. Uh, what pulled me in? Like, nostalgia? Well, Yamanose and Sakuragaoka are pretty areas to look at, but I found it a real chore to find anything like specifically that pulled me in, funnily enough. Scissors of Sacrilege, what would you change in the film? I, I, to, to say it outright, I would simply put more plot and story into the film. Mm. For me, if this film has to exist, I'd make 
it even shorter and kind of remove some of the repeating fight scenes that you get already in the game. It gets so tedious here and it gets even more tedious in the last third of the game. Just throughout this film, it was kind of... My feelings didn't change that much. It was kind of a monotonous watch. So, it's a hard question. But reduce the fighting scenes. We get it. Ryo Hazuki is good with martial arts. You really know you're watching Shenmue the movie when... To follow the logic of the film's dialogue. You know you are watching the film when you know you are watching the film. I'm saying you know when you are watching the film. <laughs> okay. You really know you're watching Shenmue the movie when you get to know that blackmail is way uncool. <laughs> I always felt that the line was so out of character because everything else Ryo Hasuki ever utters is kind of monotonous and here it's like way uncool. <clears throat> okay, nerd talk. Three adjectives to describe the film. From my end, boring, dorky and unsatisfying. <laughs> <laughs> we have one matching here boring lazy dispensable sorry Shenmue sorry I'm, I'm so sorry I, I somehow was expecting that you would be more nicer to the film knowing how beloved, beloved the game is the game is the film no watch test would you uh, did you watch this f- did you <laughs> okay Jesus <clears throat> Let me rephrase that. Did you watch your watch during the film? I I did. I I on, on the first half. If you divide the film into two forty-five minute chunks, during the first chunk, I kind of checked the time, my watch constantly to see how much time I had already has already passed and how how long I still had to go on. It did kind of get easier for me on the second half. On the second 45 minutes, once Rio inter- enters the harbor and and the Mad Angel's plotline kicks in, at that point it, the, it g- did get a bit more interesting, basically, because stuff happened in a faster pace and I mm. finally stopped checking my watch. Yeah, I have to agree on that. Picks up a little bit. <sighs> but, Henrik, would you recommend... Shenmue the movie. Fuck no, and I wouldn't recommend the games either. <sighs> it's basically, basically, the games are non-existent investigatory moments, mediocre at best fight controls, bunch of quick time events, and and tedious, tedious amounts of padding. And the film, God bless its heart, is exactly the same thing. I will give you the mediocre at best fighting controls. I will give you that as that, that as well. But you know, there was something. There was some reason why I really loved this series in some sense. And I think it's about uh, well, you spend a lot of time with the characters, and you kind of learn to love them, all their quirks and specialities and relationships. I think it's about the story. I think it's about the character developments or all the character interactions more than the like fighting scenes or QTE there is relative freedom in Shenmue definitely and uh, you know it's not as free as the games as of late but uh, I think it's yeah it's really about the the relationship that you build with the characters 
I think it's a well well told story. I mean, it's built around cliches in a sense. Dragon and phoenix mirrors and martial arts and somebody killing someone's father. Uh, but I'm um, kind of shocked and amazed that you didn't continue Shenmue 2 until the end. It simply was too much of empty space. All, all, that, all that hyped freedom which I was supposed to enjoy. It, 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 was, it was buildings that did nothing. It was a couple of mini games. It was a gaming hall where you could play a few arcade games and nothing of that was was something that I hadn't already seen done better. It's a game for people who have uh, I think a certain amount of patience. I mean if you are a big fan of GTA 3 or the subsequent sequels then you most more than likely will not like Shenmue. Well GTA 3 now that you mentioned the game even that it, that had more freedom in it than than Shenmue had, or even Shenmue 2. Shenmue 2 has space. I I give it that much. It it, it has districts and it has streets, yeah. but there's nothing to do on those streets. I guess it's up to how you play the game. You know, in GTA 3, the way that I played it is I actually didn't give up flying damnation about the actual plot or the missions that you had to do. Like, I would just enjoy throwing grenades and blowing innocent people to pieces and then getting followed by the police until I would be burned. So that's the appeal of GTA for me. <laughs> that's kind of a yep. weird sentiment in a sense because... I would never, I never finished the game because I didn't give a shit about the plot. Uh, and there really, in, in GTA 3, there really is no plot to give a, give a shit about. But I didn't find that plot in Shenmue either. But I did. Anyway, would I recommend this film? No. Period. But yeah, I think that's what glued me into Shenmue. And will glue me into the sequels Shenmue 3 that we have talked about here also. And uh, it will come out hopefully now, finally, after several delays in November 19th, 2019. And it will be the only reason I will buy a PlayStation 4. And actually it will be my first gaming console since the original Xbox that I bought in 2002. So taking that into account, yeah... This series has meant something to me. There is a Shenmue parody, like a short YouTube video that you can check out. <laughs> it's uh, on YouTube, it's called Mega64 Shenmue. And I guess everybody who has played Shenmue has already seen it. So check that if you haven't. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. So next see you for Moonraker, do 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 do, basic stuff. <laughs>